Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Design, history, file, ready, ideation. What in the world does that mean? And why do you care? If you're a medical device professional, you are thinking about being involved in any sort of product development or have been involved in any product development or see yourself being involved in any product development. This is a really, really fresh approach that's creative and innovative. And yeah, it aligns with the spirit of what we should be doing as medical device professionals. And it does include a a regulatory construct as well. I know that those all may sound like they don't go together, but I assure you they do. So enjoy this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. This is your host, founder and VP of quality and regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. Folks, I've had this day circled on my calendar for well, ever since it's been scheduled, frankly. And I'm excited because I get to talk to, well, I don't know if I can call you a good friend yet, but but I'm going to call you a good friend, Andrew DeMeo. So <laughs> Andrew is currently the innovation and design coach at Trig. And uh, Andrew and I first crossed paths a couple of years ago while he was a professor of biomedical engineering at NC State. So Andrew, welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Yeah, it's a, a pleasure to be back, John. And uh, yeah, good friend. I I agree. You know, we got to meet a couple of years ago and uh, shared stories on some shared passions. And so it's really exciting to be back. Thanks for having me. I mean, maybe the right. Yeah, absolutely. A, a good term would be kindred spirits. You know, it's it's like the first time that I talked with Andrew. Like, ah, uh, this. I, I, this goes on the assumption that I get it, but I'm like, ah, this guy gets it. But anyway, you know, it's similar sort of, I guess, approach and mindset, you know, and, and part of what I wanted to talk to Andrew about today is, is I, I think he, that he's on to something that's new and creative and innovative, at least from a philosophy, from a, from a process perspective that I think is sort of the next wave of how we as medical device professionals can be even more innovative and creative. And Andrew, you've, you've got this, this idea that you call design history file ready ideation. And I thought we would dive a little bit into that today. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it. You know, uh, w- one of the things I did to prepare for this podcast this morning was listen to the one we did, I don't know, it was about a year ago. And so I encourage people to go back and listen to that if they want to get an overview. But but you finished the very end of that podcast. You said, man, you've got some big ideas coming and, and what are they? And and my response had to do with with taking down silos and uh, and working together across you know multiple functions, uh, whether that be at universities or, or in industry or both. And really what this idea of design history file ready ideation is, is an embodiment of that big idea. It's, it's about, you know, collaboration. It's about a holistic view of medical device product development from, from the very front end. And so I could, man, I could go on for the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, why don't we do this and then and then we can kind of you know go wherever the conversation flows. Um, 
So, so maybe give folks, and, and I want to drive people to, to where they can learn more about this too, but you can learn more about the work that Andrew and his team at Trig are doing at trig, trig.com. But maybe give folks kind of a 30,000 foot view of what DHF ready ideation is all about. Great. Yeah. You know, it's embodied in, in something that I call canvas tools. And canvas tools are, you know, something that you would place on a whiteboard or on large format paper and gather around and brainstorm on. And, and so one of the more popular uh, canvases that, that folks listening to might have heard about is, is the business model canvas. If you hadn't, I encourage you to check it out and and that was created by Alex Osterwalder. Um, and, and really the, the genius behind the business model canvas was the, the segmentation of the thought process around looking at business models in a new way, rather than, rather than looking at a, at a business plan as a, as a bulleted piece of paper that you have to fill in section by section you're looking at this holistic view of the business model and, and having a collaborative conversation around it. It's, it, it, it helps facilitate uh, collaboration and, and different perspectives. And, and so I just love these tools. Um, and so part of design history file ready ideation is, is this approach of using, using the canvas, if you will. Um, so that's one piece to it. And uh, if you take a look at what I'm calling DHF Ready Ideation, there's actually four separate of these tools that work together and really high level. One of them is, is something I call the diligence dashboard, and that's looking at the business risks with respect to medical device product development. And, and this was really inspired by the Wallace Coulter Foundation, and, and, and I won't get into detail there, but looking at technology, market, intellectual property, regulatory, reimbursement, you know, these are all the hurdles to kind of pay attention to. And so this is a canvas format to look at, look at those perspectives. Um, the second canvas I call the waterfall and anyone familiar with the medical device yeah. waterfall process, it's just a fresh look at it that encourages iteration over time. And there's no reason why the waterfall shouldn't be iterative and we can get into that more. But uh, this is this is just a different way to look at uh, a process that's been around for the past 20 years. Um, the third canvas is around human factors engineering and, and prototyping. And that's a hot topic in medical devices today. And so it's, it's part of the tool helps you encourage go and do that you know, formative work that you need to do to uh, to reduce risk within the product that you're building. Um, and then that leads right into the fourth canvas, which is around risks and, and hazards. Uh, so, you know, we, we might be familiar with doing something like a, a failure modes, effects, and criticality analysis, again, maybe using an Excel spreadsheet. And, and so um, this is just a, a different, fresh way of of looking at risks and hazards on, uh, in that in that canvas format, so that's that's the uh, thirty thousand foot view. 
All right. Well, I appreciate you providing a, a bit more of an explanation. And, and folks, I'll just say I, I had one of those moments where uh, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I, I didn't quite levitate out of my chair, but but it was close to that. Uh, I, I got a chance to, to kind of reconnect with Andrew a few weeks back, and he was sharing with me this design history file, ready ideation approach that he uh, and as fashion and that they're uh, using at Trig and and certainly, Andrew, I want you to explain a little bit about what Trig does here in a few moments, too. That way, people can connect a couple more of these dots. But, but um, you know, Andrew shared his screen, and he shared you know this business model canvas, all the canvases that he just described, and and it was like there was like an aha moment because a lot of times companies, you know, whether they be startups or even established companies, there's like this uh, strong opinion about whether or not something is ready to enter into, quote, design control. And there's a lot of angst or, or perceptions about that. And what Andrew shared with me is like, folks, you start design control from day one, which I've always been a believer of, but, but I don't think the tools or the workflows that, that have been prevalent have necessarily facilitated that. But, but I think you're on to something. Yeah, and this is really inspired by this uh, concept that we talked about in, in our first podcast, that, that the ability to be creative within a regulated environment is, is just uber important. You know, it's that these regulations exist and they exist for a reason, and it's about safety and efficacy, and, and we want that. Um, but we we absolutely positively need creative outside the box thinking, and they seem like they can't they can't coexist. Seemingly can't coexist, right? And uh, and tools like you've created at, at Greenlight Guru um, help that coexist happen, right? You know, I mean, you can you can work at a medical device company and be maintaining your design controls and. And have have the freedom to work in in a in a more enjoyable environment. This approach is trying to bring this thought process to to everyone, even someone that's never heard of design controls or quality systems before, uh, which is a lot of the innovators. Um, you know, I've I've seen too many times young startup companies. Uh, they've got a really cool idea, a really, you know, an, an unmet need that they've uncovered in a clinical environment. Maybe they're a medical innovator, a doctor, maybe there's some researcher with some technology. Um, somehow or some way they've uncovered a really big opportunity and they're moving forward towards building a future medical device company. It's not realized yet. And then one day, you know, as they've picked up enough momentum, uh, it's, this, it's this moment where they hire a regulatory consultant and they come in and they say, you know, where, where's your design history file? You know, where are, your, where are your needs? Where are your design inputs? And, you know, the response is, you know, oh, what, right? You know, like, what are those? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, the cost of going back in time and trying to create that very first design history file uh, for a young startup company can be can be backbreaking. Um, so that's part of the inspiration that, you know, the other part is I've worked at large medical device companies and, and 
you know, we know all about design controls and, and maybe we don't want to implement them too soon because, because we know, eh, well, it constrains our thought and, you know, we want to be in an open, free, creative space. So, you know, we'll turn on design controls later, you know, after we make some, some decisions. And, and then once again, a lot of that design history just gets lost. Um, and that pain point keeps on getting pushed further down the line. Design history file ready ideation is, is a way to say, hey, go ahead and be creative in a, in a pre-design controlled setting before you've ever turned on design controls, before you've ever hired a regulatory consultant, before you've ever met John Spear at Greenlight Guru. Um, hey, here's a way to be, be open, be creative, think blue sky and, and capture the work that you're doing that sets the stage for your future quality system. If you use this tool, there's gonna be a time where when that regulatory consultant comes in or when you wanna flip that switch to design controls that you'll have built a foundation that's, that's mature and, and ready to be put into design controls, if that makes any sense. And it makes, for me, it makes a ton of sense. And folks, here's a couple of things that, that uh, I really love about this approach. Uh, you know, first let me, uh, Andrew says something, uh, and I'm paraphrase a bit, uh, creative regulatory framework. Sometimes those are, might be construed as a, an oxymoron, but, but, uh, you know, and, and I think sometimes you know, I want to, that term waterfall trips a lot of people up, you know, the, the, and a lot of people think uh, naively, I believe that medical device product development has to follow a waterfall type of approach that that is not true. Um, the, and, and there's, there's reasons for these misconceptions. One is the diagram that we all have grown to, well, love or, or at least appreciate is the FDA design control waterfall diagram. If you've never seen it before, uh, just search for FDA design control waterfall and you'll see this, this cascade of stuff, you know, this flow, so to speak. And the intent behind that diagram was never to say this shall be your process of medical device product development. It was intended to show relationships of of connected uh, attributes that you'll go through during the design and development process. In fact, if you read the FDA design control guidance that was published at either 96, I think it's 96 or 97, it actually, it doesn't use the word agile. I don't know if agile was was in vogue at that time, but it talks about an iterative approach. So, so FDA uh, fully supports, as do other regulatory bodies, fully support an iterative, uh, creative process during the design and development process. So, but I think a lot of the tools have, have been constraining in that regard, or the approaches or the perceptions have been constraining. You know, even like from a Greenlight perspective, part of what we built in the Greenlight uh, Guru EQMS platform, there's there are workflows for design control and risk. And the intent behind that is to be iterative and collaborative and and not constraining, but if if you're not skilled in the art of medical device product development, you don't speak the lingo and and know what all these different things mean. Uh, it could be a little daunting, and it and it can be a little confusing, and it can even present at times as though uh, we're putting too much structure and order to things, you know. And and that's that's part of what 
you know, when Andrew and I talked a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this will help connect a lot of dots. But I do think it's important, you know, that people who are innovative, creative, you know, maybe first timers in the medical device industry or, or even those who have been in the industry who, who uh, don't want to be constrained. This uh, business model canvas is just, I mean, it's, I'm not trying to, to belittle or diminish anything that you've constructed here, but it, it's a, more or less a white space that's got a little, little bit of order to it, but, but it's not constraining in any way, shape, or form. No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it's a white space that, in, that encourages putting your thoughts down into relationship buckets that, you know, and, and as you were saying, the, the waterfall diagram itself was originally intended to show relationships, show the relationship of design input to design output and the verification of that and, and validating a medical device to the original user needs. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful part of the waterfall. Um, but then when written into process format, you know, if you take that and say, okay, let's make a standard operating procedure and you write it down on paper, it becomes a stage gate. Right. Um, so it's just a, yeah. It's just a perspective view. I mean, if, if you look at the business model canvas by, by Alex Osterwalder, you know, you can, you, can, you can look at a business model template in, in Microsoft Word and, and like fill in each section by section. But just to back out and look at a whiteboard and say, so what are all these sections? <laughs> and how are they related to each other? Right. Um, it's just looking at it with a different lens. There's, there's really no rocket science to this. And I, you know, and I can't agree more that the, the FDA never ever intended that that figure result in a stage gate and the fine print itself says it's iterative, right? You know, and they never even said use this one, you know, like here is an example and in practice it's iterative. And then, and then, Folks looked at the picture, turned it into a standard operating procedure, and the next thing you knew, you had StageGate. Um, and yeah. that StageGate has persisted for, for 20 years. Uh, it has. So it's just like, hey, look at it different. You know, take a different perspective on these relationships in a more holistic way and, and, and allow yourself to be iterative and creative while maintaining those, those important relationships. Totally. Uh, and, you know, part of I didn't pick this up uh, at the beginning of my career. I mean, I, you know, I started my career about 20 years, well, a little over 20 years ago. And Andrew, I'm get, getting old. My uh, son just finished freshman year of college and my daughter uh, informed me a couple of days ago that she's officially a senior in high school. But anyway, when I started my my career, you know, I read the the SOP for design and development at the large medical device company that I worked for, and it, it didn't feel flexible. Uh, it felt very gate-based or phase-based. You know, do this, then then do that, and then do. And you, I kind of the first couple of projects that I went through, I, I you know, I I followed the procedure to the letter. You know, of, of the strictest of of interpretations. And I remember one project in particular where you know I defined my my design inputs and 
and I, and I went through the design review and, and we, you know, signed off and locked the design inputs. And then I would start, you know, the next stage of, of design outputs and figuring out all the parts pieces and, you know, got actively involved into prototyping. And, you know, then we had the design review for that. And then I entered into design verification mode or phase of the, of the process. And let's just say I had uh, an oh shit moment uh, uh, on this particular project. And it wasn't a super complicated device, but, but I realized as I was starting to define how in the world I'm going to verify, how, how am I going to prove that this thing does what I said it would do as part of the design inputs, I had painted myself in a corner and I had put a lot of constraints in place uh, that uh, were going to make uh, that verification, this verification activities more challenging than they needed to be. Because I didn't think about that when I was defining the design inputs. Uh, and now that I'm at this verification stage, I mean, I'm, you know, at, at this project, you know, I'm literally a couple of months away from a regulatory submission. And to go back and change and update things is equally painful. So, you know, you, you, you kind of get stuck, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm with you. I mean, I was in the same boat. You know, I entered the medical device industry 20 years ago, learned the standard operating procedure and went through that same stage gate process myself. You know, and and... It's been a journey, you know, it's been, it's been a 20 year journey for me and, and uh, I've just been blessed to be put into positions that have allowed me to see things different, right? I mean, the Wallace Coulter Foundation put me in positions to, to teach a commercialization process in in so many different contexts that I had no choice but to kind of back out and look at, you know, what is it that I'm that I'm teaching and, and how can I make it relevant to these, you know, these different personas and 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 stakeholders. Um, you know, you teach you teach medical device product development for 12 years at a university and 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 you assign people to read the guidance document enough times. Um, and suddenly you, you see the fine print, you know, like, like oh, wait, it actually yeah. says be iterative, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I was, I, I feel like I've been, I've been lucky to be in a position to, to see it different. And I just wanted to share that with everyone, you know, and it's, this is a free thing. It's like, Hey, go ahead. It's a free guidebook, download it, read it. It's there for your reference to implement in your startup company at your academic institution. Uh, you know, I, it, this is to me imperative. You know, I just, I just put out a blog post today because I, I was thinking about this conversation you and I were going to have, and, and it inspired me to, to be thinking just on this topic. Um, and and I've got this 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 line where I'm I'm talking to my my former students, and I say to them, um, I hope you remember um, that the health and the wellness of our world is depending on your creativity. It takes truly truly special talented people to be both creative and live in the required constraints of a system that's in place to protect us. We need quality systems and we need creativity. 
um, be brave and do both to make this world a better place. If you can't tell, I'm passionate about this subject. I mean, the health and wellness of our nation really does depend on new, creative, innovative solutions, and they're going to have to be developed within a world of of design controls. That's you know. So how do we how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that dichotomy? Yeah. And so if one person uses this tool and it results in one new medical device, you know, or helps one new medical device get to market that might otherwise have tripped or failed along the way and that saves one person's life, then this has been worth it, right? You know, so that's, that's my motivation, honestly. I love it. I love it. So, uh, Folks, let me uh, take a, a short pause here. Of course, you're listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. And did you know that uh, Greenlight, we recently launched a brand new podcast? That's right, MedTech True Quality Stories, talking to folks like Andrew uh, on the Global Medical Device Podcast and the folks who are our guests on the MedTech True Quality Stories. Little secret here, folks, it is the best thing I get to do as part of this this role at Greenlight Guru. I love it uh, because you know we get to talk about people that are making a difference. We get to talk about the, the challenges facing our industry. And, and this MedTech True Quality Stories podcast is, you know, we get into trenches with some, some um, medical device professionals and in some cases, CEOs of startups who, you know, are, are facing obstacles and barriers and, and they're figuring out, you know, what they need to do to get to the next step. And the, they're doing it in the spirit of true quality. I mean, Andrew mentioned something a moment ago uh, about, you know, that sometimes we feel constrained. I think, and as as medical device professionals, we feel like we we have to be you know com- compliant. We feel like uh, that our quality systems are are really holding us back. And and it's just frankly, if that's your mindset, I just encourage you to to shift your mindset. But but do go check out that that MedTech True Quality Story podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can also. Uh, check that one out there as well. And on this, the topic of true quality, I mean, this is this is the opportunity that we have as medical device professionals today. This is why folks like Andrew DeMeo at Trig are, are making a huge difference. Uh, to his point, you know, if just one company can embrace this this mentality, this mindset, this fresh look at things, it's going to result in better, safer, more innovative products that are going to impact the quality of life. So I hope that's why you're in this. That's why I'm in this. I know that's why Andrew's in this. So uh, just wanted to, and then that's why we're doing this at Greenlight Guru. We're, we're trying to help you get beyond just compliance and focus on true quality. So, you know, if your quality management system needs a fresh approach, I would encourage you to go to www.greenlight.guru to learn more about what we're doing We'd love to have a conversation with you about how we can help you and your organization. So, Andrew, as we kind of wrap things up today, I, I realize, you know, and yes, we are definitely going to share the link to the Design and History File Ready Ideation white paper that you've written. It's it's fantastic. It's a, a wonderful read. It's it's for those that are involved in product development and, and this industry. Uh, I think you will find it very refreshing and encouraging. And, and thought-provoking, so we'll definitely provide a link to that. Sure, people can can adopt this model and this approach, uh, and and they don't need you and they don't need me, quite frankly, to 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 adopt this. But there is some art in this, right? And there's something to be said by 
by working with somebody like you who've been who's been doing this for 20 years, there's something to be said about working with a company like Trig. So tell us a little bit about Trig and and the the art that you bring to the process. Yeah, sure. And thank you for that. Uh, it, it really is more about the mindset than the tools. Um, so, so Trig, we're a full service uh, industrial design firm. Uh, we serve consumer, healthcare, and durable good markets. So that includes medical devices, of course. And uh, we've got a comprehensive innovation process that includes you know, upfront insights and ideation. Uh, we do product design, and we also do uh, brand asset management. We work with startups, mid-sized companies, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so we've got a, a broad range of services for, for a broad range of, of companies. You know, at the end of the day, we're here to be, you know, stewards of our clients' product development. You know, uh, we, we want to help them produce better products that, that, you know, their consumers love, right? And... Uh, and so we deploy tools like this when we work with our with our clients. You know, if we've got any medical device company that's that's working with us, um, oftentimes they're startups, and oftentimes they're even before that. You know, we've got we've got clients that are they're medical doctors that have awesome ideas that they want to bring to market, um, and we can set them up on the DHF Ready Ideation Canvas and and get them to see a holistic view of the world they're in. Uh, you know, right from the get-go. And, uh, and then, you know, if we're working with a, a large medical device company that's well aware of the space, it, uh, it helps show the gaps. You know, hey, here's where we at Trig can really help you um, because all of this other stuff, you know, regulatory, intellectual property, reimbursement, our client might be the expert in. But it allows us all to have this holistic view together and really ensure that we're that we're walking walking the path of product development together with our client and uh, and serving them as as best as we can. You know, folks, I've worked with a lot of of industrial designers, industrial design firms throughout my career, and you know, there are some folks that are really fantastic. And I will also admit that that there are some of these these resources that you work with. That they're very creative, um, they're they're very um, innovative with ideas and concepts, and sometimes, to my chagrin, I, there are some of these folks who they don't they don't uh, understand what happens next. You know, they can they can ideate, they can they can create thumbnails and all sorts of different ideas, but but um, there's something important about that skill and and understanding the pragmatism and and the ability to actually produce and, and eventually manufacture this product that's that's going to address the unmet clinical need. And uh, Andrew, I, I think you have uh, a pretty unique skill set from an industrial designer perspective because you understand manufacturing as well. Yeah, you know, I like to say we do design for commercialization, right? You know, so you, you might hear design for manufacturing and 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 that's great, right? I mean, um, the the best industrial designers should be should be considering that this thing is going to be made someday, right? You know, it's going to be manufactured. Um, and and you're right. Sometimes really cool, awesome, creative ideas are are put out on paper and shared with a client, and they look great. And then they get tossed over to 
you know, engineering and, and, and it's like, you know, we can't make this thing. And then it, you know, it becomes a Frankenstein type of a project as it gets altered through engineering and then altered again through manufacturing. Um, so thinking about that manufacturing up front is, is just so important. Um, but, but it's so much more than designed for manufacturing. It's designing for the entire concept context of the commercialization uh, process, you know, and, and so it, in a medical device product development sense, if, if we're constantly coming up with really cool ideas that are all class three um, and the business case for the opportunity is, you know, really looking more at like a class one opportunity, then again, we're, you know, we're throwing out cool ideas that you can never use. And, and so understanding that, you know, we're living in a world where, Hey, there are needs that need to be captured. There's inputs that need to be captured and we're here capturing them along the way. You know, we understand there's different classes of products and regulatory pathways to approve one that context is considered. You know, we understand that there's, there's going to be human factors engineering that needs to be taking place. And the prototypes that we build are not just your next um, coolest prototype, but a prototype that can be used to answer a very specific human factors engineering question. It's these kinds of things um, that are critically important along along the way, and and uh, we definitely you know, bring that to the client when we're working with them. You, uh, when we talked the other day, you uh, you shared uh, an example of some of the different types of prototypes that. Um, you create during that process. And, and I love the one example is a, a handheld device, uh, but uh, you actually made a prototype out of paper. <laughs> I loved it because, it, but it, conceptually it, it, it did the job of what a prototype needs to do. It answered some key questions. So, um, and I think sometimes people get stuck when they think about prototypes, they think it has to be, you know, you know, more of a 3d, almost looks like feels like what the finished product uh, is going to be and and that you know and, and andrew that's a whole different topic for a future podcast where we can right. talk about different types of prototypes but but i i really do think you have a really fresh approach so as we wrap up today any parting words uh suggestions tips pointers that you want to leave the audience with today I guess, you know, first of all, thank you for having me again. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And, and I, I really appreciate the new fresh tools that you bring to the industry and the perspectives that we get to, to listen to on your podcasts. My parting words are, are look at look at the world holistically and, and collaborate. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of different um, perspectives, mindsets, specialties that need to go into getting getting a complex product from an initial concept to commercialization and uh and look as you know broadly as you can at the landscape uh to ensure commercial success along the way that's terrific and folks i know i know what you're thinking regulatory pathways and how your product's going to be classified, that, that constrains you. Let's, I'm going to be honest with you. That, that is not the world we're in today. Yes, there are, there are some pathways that, that require certain behaviors, certain activities, but I can tell you, quite frankly, from an FDA perspective, there is, 
there's a, a much more openness uh, to, uh, I'll say, creative regulatory as it relates to pathways today than there ever has been. And if you are in a company where, whether you be a startup or an established company, and and you're kind of stuck and and you don't haven't really embraced you know ideation, iteration, and and you know more of an agile rapid prototype learn sort of mentality and you feel like you're sort of stuck or constrained by regulatory pathways, uh, I'm going to give you some homework. First piece of that homework is you need to get a hold of Andrew DeMeo and the team at Trig and, and spend a little bit of time with them to learn about this fresh approach, learn about how you can be more innovative and creative because, you know, Andrew and his team, they understand the regulatory framework. They understand what, where the constraints are. They understand uh, you know enough about regulatory pathways and product classification. Whereas they go through their process, they'll be able to help you identify. You know, this is class one. This is class two. This is class three. Those sorts of things. You can start to get a framework of that. But but then once you talk to Andrew and you work with the team at Trig, then then I would encourage you as the next step to get a hold of us at Greenlight Guru. We've built a platform specifically for the medical device industry, aligning with what you need to do from a regulatory perspective, but not constraining you. So reach out to us at greenlight.guru and we'd be happy to help you. So again, I want to thank my guest, Andrew DeMeo. Andrew is the innovation and design coach at Trig. You can find more about what they're doing at www.trig.com. And as always, this is your host, founder, and VP of Quality and Regulatory at Greenlight Guru, John Spear. And you have been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast.